Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome back to Pixels. This is a show where we cover the news from the video games industry. We cover the things that have been happening on PCs, in consoles, in mobiles even. Yeah, imagine that. Uh, and also in the industry in general. Announcements. So, well, you know, it's a gaming show. You know what it is. My name is Patrick Beja and I'm very glad, very happy to be welcoming back. And we were joking before the show, an all new, all different Ed Mitchell. How's it going, Ed? <laughs> It's going great, man. Uh, um, I am my triumphant return to Pixels, right? <laughs> well, it's been like, yeah, we were saying four months. So yeah. your entire life has changed almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I am now, I moved from Raleigh, North Carolina to Austin, Texas, um, here to kind of, uh, you know, do something different with our lives. I was telling Patrick before the show that, uh, that it's kind of was a little bit of a dream come true for me. I've been wanting to move here for a while. And um, after me and my wife got married, we kind of just uh, decided to, decided to, to go, go out on a, on a limb and do it. So, uh, yeah. And um, I'm telling you, if you, if you, I mean, anyone who's still around, you know, between 20s and early 30s, just got married, maybe, if there's any time to do something dumb and crazy and fun, <laughs> it's now. Like, really, I did my share of weird, like I went to live in Japan. Most listeners probably know this. Went to live in Japan. I moved around. My wife did the same. Best way to not have regrets is to do your crazy things. Of course, you get your degree first. Like, you're a serious person, of course. Uh, but then you go and do the crazy things. So I'm glad yeah, you're managing to do that. Both very happy with our new jobs. Better jobs for both of us. So, uh, yeah. Very nice. Uh, and also, other crazy thing, you went to PAX West. Uh, yeah, you go every yeah. Year, so. yeah, yeah. It's a kind of a yearly occurrence for me. Uh, but I, I would say that uh, this year was just as cool as the other years. I got to play some uh, some cool new new games, both some indie games and some uh, uh, AAA games. So, Well, we're going to get into that. But um, So first, yeah, so we're going to talk about PAX. We're going to talk, talk about the Microsoft... All access, Xbox all access thing. I think that's an interesting new um, way of approaching subscriptions for games. Uh, we'll talk about that then. Um, there's a 48 minutes gameplay video of Cyberpunk 2077 we're to going to talk about. Um, there's some news about Anthem. Uh, we're going to go over what's being released in September. Uh, Nintendo announced their RPG developed by Side Games, a bunch of things that we're going to go over. But first, as we started discussing, PAX West. So 
I've been to PAX East once and it was a fun small convention with like fan oriented. I'm guessing PAX West probably asked you that same question last year, but PAX West is probably a similar thing. Um, what did you do? What did you see? What's to what's there to uh, uh, of note on that convention floor? So I played and I, I wish I had numbers on my notes here, but um, I think I played something like 20 games. Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit more. Um, just some of the highlights. Uh, I played the new Metro game. Um, the from the Metro Last Light and Metro uh, 2033, I think the series. Yeah. Was um, it was that, delayed? I think. At, uh, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. It but, looked amazing, uh, though. It it is incredibly good looking. Um, I played it on the Xbox actually, and uh, even on the Xbox was well, Xbox One X. So, um, it was incredible good good looking. The uh, the control controls were a little sluggish, but I think it, it was just a sensitivity thing on the on the control stick versus like the actual controls themselves. Um, well, if you're used so, to to playing FPSs on, on PC, keyboard and mouse, yeah. then yeah, it's gonna yeah. feel a little bit weird. But you get right. used to it. Um, yeah, so so I, I I quite liked it. I I really liked twenty thirty three, and I haven't played Last Light yet. So uh, so there, that's that's the thing. Um, next, I played with Spider Man. Um, Ooh, don't, don't say yeah. too much because I do, it's coming out in like just a few days, and I don't want to yeah. spoil. But yeah, your overall feeling. it is it is a solid uh, open world game um, with all the kind of trappings of an open world game, um, mm. but the um the combat and the fluidity of the movements as you traverse the city um both feel very 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 good so um, okay that's what i want to hear like i don't i i don't really expect it to be an incredible amazing life altering game i just want it to be good and to have some spider manning in it and Mm -hmm. apparently that's what it is right yeah, so uh, just some other quick highlights. I played the new Assassin's Creed game, um, which has uh, returned to form for the the ship combat from Black Flag, which I'm very very excited for. Um, Dark Siders three, I played. Uh, I really like the. Um, it's kind of more Metroidvania, uh, kind of closer to Dark Siders one than Dark Siders two, which is um, a good thing for me. Go ahead. I, yeah, I wasn't too sure about that one. They also had a long, like, 20 minutes gameplay video a, few, a couple of months ago, maybe. Um, and it felt a little bit like, I don't want to say lazy, but it felt like what it was when it first came out. What was it, like, six years ago, seven years ago? Um, and, like, the world has moved on a little bit. But maybe maybe it's gonna be great. But it felt like that, like a a game that's a direct continuation of either the, either the first one or the second one. And I'm right. not sure that's what we want today. Do you do you confirm uh, this or is it? Uh, I I I think it's it definitely rises. Um, it picks itself up because I I mean I I love the Dark Center series, mm. so it's um, just I'm kind of in this this wash of being happy that we're even getting another one, uh, considering it was so unsure to happen for the past couple of years. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that you're playing, um, someone who's a little bit more magical instead of, uh, physical attacks and stuff like that, I, I think it's cool and kind of a nice little twist on the combat. And then, um, the traversal and exploration of the world, I think is, a, is solid. So, okay. 
That sounds um, like something that will please the Darksiders aficionados, of which there are many, and maybe mm-hmm. others will... I mean, I wonder if it's an opportunity to jump into the Darksiders series, but I'm thinking yeah. there's too many other things to take time to play a game that is similar to what it was in yeah, I mean, the, I I think the I think the first game is almost a must play for a lot of people, especially if you're a mm. huge fan of, Zelda, of the Zelda series, um, because it is basically a Zelda game, um, just with a little bit more, uh, with voice acting and a little bit more tough aesthetic. Right. Um. So so yeah. Um, okay. And then I played uh, Hitman Two, the new the like I guess sequel to the last Hitman game that came out a couple years ago and that that was <laughs> a, a sequel uh, to Hitman yes that, yeah. that's what it is yeah uh it, it's it's quite good the um you the mission that you play is you're at a racetrack and you're trying to like basically infiltrate in and then uh take out some like people that run this uh robotics company or something like that but at one point you get to take out uh a mascot Okay. And dress up in a ma- in a little like pel- pelican or a flamingo mascot costume, so that was cool and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I like it, and I'm looking forward to when it comes out. So, uh, so yeah, if you want to, uh, that's kind of the big name games that I played. If you want to hear more about all the other games I played, uh, I think we're recording a podcast uh, for the four player people sometime next week. Cool. Uh, so, so I'll give a my rundown of all of the 25 games that I played or something like that. So if there's a highlight of the of the convention, games or just, you know, stuff that happened there, what would you, you know, what would you tell people this is what PAX West is for me this year? Yeah, I mean, PAX, PAX West is definitely um, an indie game like Treasure Trove. Uh, there's just so many there. There's the the mega booth, which has like uh, 20 to 30 games in it, and then upstairs it's just this gigantic floor of indie games. Um, so it, it's the kind of thing where people come with their computer and they have like like six feet by six feet on the yeah. corner of the thing, and they're like, "Yeah, play my game. It's fun." Yeah, right. So and mm-hmm. you if you go there for the like AAA games, you're gonna be played with long lines and, and just overall crowdedness. But mm. uh, if you go there for the for the indie games, you'll have a lot of fun and be able to play a lot of cool things that uh, that haven't been seen or released yet. So okay, cool. Um, I do want to ask if there's one indie game that surprised or delighted you. Um, which one would it be? Is there something notable in there or or not? Uh, yeah. Um, there was a game called uh, Shift Quantum, which was okay. a. Um, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's an, it was based off an old Flash game, where you would basically convert the floor into the the sky and the sky into the floor. Mm. So everything that is solid becomes uh, the air, and everything that was air comes solid, and you kind of flip over the map, and you kind of traverse through different levels by uh, by basically just moving and doing like one single mechanic of switching things but there's a lot as you get further and further in the levels there's a lot more uh there's a lot more different like mechanics there's like wind and fans and, and um and spikes and, and things like that and 
um, from me at talking to the developers, they said that there's going to be like 140 levels in it, and it comes out in like a couple weeks, I think. Okay. So um, something to to take a look at. That's Shift Quantum. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that report. Uh, let's move on to the Microsoft's uh, Xbox All Access Pass, which is, I mean, it's getting a little bit confusing, but basically what it is is a subscription, not just to the online services for Microsoft, but to the console as well. Uh, think yeah. of it as a uh, smartphone contract where you buy the smartphone as you're getting the contract with the uh, 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 provider, and you're spreading the cost across two years. So this is what it is. You get an Xbox, either uh, S or X. You get the Xbox Live Gold service and the Xbox uh, Game Pass, which Xbox Live Gold allows you to play online. Xbox Game Pass gives you a library of games that you can access and that you can install on your console. And all this for 20 bucks a month if it's an Xbox One S or 35 bucks a month if it's an Xbox One X. And the, the thing that is interesting there is that, as I mentioned, you're not paying more uh, for this. So they're not ripping you off kind of with, with bigger interest rate uh, than if you were to pay out um, for all of this out of hand. And they're not, you're not paying a lot less. I think it comes down roughly to the same cost to paying yeah, everything. The so then the question becomes, why are they doing it? They did it with the Xbox uh, 360. This is in the, in the US only, by the way. Um, they did it with the Xbox 360, but they didn't have the Xbox uh, Game Pass at the time. And it was very confidential. I don't know if this is going to be less confidential. Um, would you be interested in, I mean, we're kind of not necessarily the people <laughs> that this is targeted towards uh but you yeah. think someone would be interested with the subscription like this i think so if only just because it, it's it's a very cheap price per month like that's that's less than what i'm paying now for playstation view since all the price increases and stuff like that so and, and you just get you get so much more out of it the the xbox game pass will is continuing to be a greater and greater um uh deal with the, the new games that are being added to it. They just added the Master Chief Collection, for example, to it, and a couple other things. Um, and the the Games for Gold, the Xbox Live Games for Gold thing, uh, it's it's hit or miss, but you, get, you can find some real good gems on there. And um, if you're going to buy an Xbox One anyway, you might as well do this just to kind of spread out your cost over, a couple, over the next two years. And, and I kind of assume that you can like pay it down ahead of time if you wanted to. I don't. I don't really see why you would. Um, well, since they're not charging you interest, I guess yeah. you 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 could yeah. But and you, it's more. I mean, the thing with anyway doesn't matter. But um, yeah, I think it's a it's definitely an interesting concept for some people. And if you want to say, well, here are the games you have, and if you want to buy an additional one, a new one that's just coming out, you can, but you don't have to. Um, I think the trick here is that, yes, it's the price of this package combined, but you include in the package gold, which I think most people will get, maybe not most, but a lot of people, and yeah. Game Pass, which essentially, I think the whole point of all of this is to get you to sign up for Game Pass for two years. 
and possibly once you're hooked on it you'll keep uh, um the subscription going not because you know you forget to cancel it but because you actually like it <laughs> but yeah the thing is you have to remember this is including gold and game pass so they're kind yeah. of locking you into their uh ecosystem which is great because it's a good ecosystem but it's not just like let's say purchasing an xbox one s xbox one s or even x over you know uh, uh immediately or even if you were to to buy it over two years because you have those subscriptions that are included in the price so yeah. you can't stop the subscription it's it's baked in so i think this is the reason why this would be interesting to microsoft but um yeah I, I, again i don't think it's a bad thing but it's not uh um like buying just the naked console um, yeah i mean yeah i really think that if you don't have a lot of games for the xbox and, and you're looking to um looking to get one then i think that this is a great deal because game Pass is, is just right. continuously improving over the years yeah and, and i think a lot of people understand that you don't have to play the um you know the the game the latest game the moment it comes out mm-hmm. i right. mean three three months later it's already uh, uh 20 dollars yeah, off dollars off and sea of thieves is on is on there and that came out a couple months ago right so like, yeah but that's a f- first party so yeah that's also the yeah. case all the first party games will be on this service as well so right. all of microsoft's games will be included those latest uh, games will be included uh but you know there's uh groups like that call themselves patient gamers and mm-hmm. seriously you can save so much money by just not spending uh, uh the full 60 dollars yeah. yeah the moment it comes out for um, sure. so even for in that context uh, playing the games from last year, you can get some super cheap uh, deals. Um, and with this subscription type thing, it's it can be pretty interesting for some people. I think for us, it's it it's really not that interesting. We're just gonna buy <laughs> the console outright and 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 deal with that. But uh, for some people, it will be. Um, some more more news. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 had a fif- almost 50 minutes of gameplay video yeah. uh, released a few days ago, I think last week. And uh, I don't know. Oh, you didn't feel good about it, huh? I don't. I mean, it's not that I don't feel good about it, but I kind of feel. I kind of feel like it's not as different from everything we've had in the past as I thought it was going to be. It felt to me like DSX, essentially, with a little bit of a more edgy, like, yeah, cyberpunk, which is, you know, very well transcribed. The universe is very well transcribed, as expected. But the gameplay felt a little bit like a a variation on the um, immersive sims like DSX. So. I'm, I, I think I'm less sold on the game after having seen that gameplay video than I was before, you know, when I saw the trailer. Um, because it's all the same, you know, concepts that we've had for a long time, which is, you know, you can choose how you approach each mission and people will remember what you do. And maybe there's going to be, a, a, you know, a paradigm shift in that 
aspect of game design which will make it more interesting and certainly i'm not trying to say you know this is disappointing because it's less than what it what it was supposed to be um i'm sure a lot of people will enjoy this very very much it's just that i had built it up maybe to be something a little bit more so i think the the kind of biggest difference for me between this and deus ex is the fact that it's open world right yeah and so like the just the technical achievement of turning it a game like Deus Ex with the format of Deus Ex into an open world game is enough for me to be like sold on it. Really? And th- yeah, it is. Um, and the other thing that, that I kind of, um, another reason why I'm pretty much sold on it is, uh, is CD Projekt. And the, the, the amount of love and care that it, they put into the Witcher series, mm. um, being able to take those writers, um, and how how much time and energy they devoted to their side uh, missions and, and hunts and stuff like that in Witcher Three, and turn that into a completely different world with um, with their its own like kind of political stressors and stuff like that uh, is very fascinating. Mm, yeah, th- I think maybe that plays into it. the The Witcher never grabbed me, including the mm. the Witcher Three which I played right. for a few hours and I was, I know this is blasphemy, but I was like, yeah, okay, that's, that's fine. It's, it's great. No, it's okay. I mean, but. but there's different structure, different folks, right? So like, I, I think that, uh, the, the Witcher series was one of my favorite games that year. Um, right. Right. Yeah. So of course you're going to be, yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Um, yeah. So, okay. That, that was a thing. Um, there are games coming out, like actual games yeah. coming out in September. Um, Dragon Quest XI is already out. Destiny 2 Forsaken is coming out today as well. Uh, Spider-Man is coming out in a few days at the end of the week as we're recording this. And at the end of next week, Shadow of the Tomb Raider is coming out uh, as well. And that's the big titles for for September. There are more, obviously. Um, when is Two Point Hospital coming out. Two Point Hospital. Maybe it's next year. Maybe I'm I'm mistaken. What is that game? Oh, it's Two Point Hospital Hospital is um is oh wait is it released? August thirtieth. Yeah. Okay. So there's also Two Point. It's kind of a spiritual successor to Theme Hospital, and a lot of people are extremely excited about it. So there's there's that as well, but technically it's not a September release. Um. But uh, yeah, I I actually got Dragon Quest XI yesterday a little bit in advance because my local store was selling it. And I was like, I don't have time to play any of this, but heck, (laughs) why not? Um, So I played a few hours of that and I can talk about that for for a minute. But uh, any one specifically that you're more excited about uh, out of those? Um, I I have... uh... Dragon Quest 11, and I'm preloading it uh, after we get off this call, so I'll play it probably this afternoon, maybe Very a little nice. bit, and then, then t- I'm streaming it tomorrow. So uh, I'm really into that. Uh, Shadow of the... T- obviously, I talked about Spider-Man already. Um, going to get that for sure. Uh, and then Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, I th- I'm going to try my hardest to try and, like, like kind of uh, rush my way through Rise of the Tomb Raider. So I'll play that. <laughs> um, because enough, I... Yeah. I 
really thought that the controls in combat and uh, progression of the first Tomb Raider game was uh, very solid. And so I... You know, it's funny. Yeah, I I loved the first one. And I've tried to get into the second one maybe three times. And every Mm -hmm. time... I, I wouldn't say I got bored... But at the same time, something else pulled me away. But I let that right. something else pull me away. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure I'm going to jump into Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Although it's coming out just late enough. I mean, early enough in September that it's not going to bump into stuff in October. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, Spider-Man we talked about. Um, Destiny 2. Man, I want to get into <laughs> Forsaken so much. But they they are making me pay for the expansions from destiny Two year one if i want to get into the expansion for destiny 2 forsaken and i do not want to do that because i i was disappointed in the end game of the of the destiny 2 as i've said many times and i know that they're going to drop that requirement the moment they drop some additional expansions for destiny 2 at which point i will have kind of missed out on the beginning hype of the game so like i don't want to pay 40 bucks for for the expansion plus another 40 bucks or 30 bucks whatever it is now for the year one expansions which i'm not gonna play you know i i just you you but you know you you just you there isn't even any low you know single player content you could do it but you're not going to it's the like a new expansion in an mmo you go straight to the new thing so I don't know. I'm. I don't think I'm gonna get into it, and it makes me so sad because I love Destiny One so much. And to be honest, I've played. Uh, I think what eighty hours of Destiny Two. Uh-huh. Um. So yeah, bad. But that's my status for Destiny Two and uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. So I played a few hours. I'm really still the in the beginning, and I am very not very i'm charmed by the game i think is is a good way of putting it um i don't think it's the best thing i've ever done uh but it has it's definitely a japanese rpg right it's a jrpg completely like the the structure the gameplay the combat the the narrative jrpg from beginning to end um, but for some reason, it kind of works here where usually it, 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 the other ones like Final Fantasy 15, I could not get into it. And I, I don't know why it just didn't grab me. This one, I think it feels like a, a children's story. And the, so just uh, let me backtrack for a second. Uh, Dragon Quest 11 came out in Japan a few months ago and it didn't have any voiceovers. So for the uh, Western release of the game, they added voiceover in English, and they changed a few things. You, you can go faster on the overworld map, um, so it's a little bit less of a slug to get through. And uh, they, they changed a couple of things like this. But Dragon Quest, at its core, is a game that uh, strokes the nostalgia of Japanese people who were schoolchildren when the first ones came out. So they kind right. of recreate that uh, comfortable, uh, similar, almost unchanged, slightly touched up um, type of gameplay and storytelling 
for those people. And uh, I think it was the Kotaku review, like they did a 30 minutes uh, review of the game, um, uh-huh. where the, the, the reviewer who's a fan and who knows Japan and who's been there essentially says, you know, people play Dragon Quest to remind themselves of that, and they play like an hour in the evening. It's not people who play that game 20 hours straight for five days and they've finished it. You know, I, sure. I mean, obviously a lot of people do that, but <laughs> most people do it uh, in that slow pace. And the way he put it, I don't know how accurate it is, but it sounds uh, uh, definitely like it would make sense. And the way he put it put me in a different frame of mind to get into the game and really to receive it as an enjoyable, like, uh, light story. And so the voiceover, the, 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 the English voiceover, or American, I should say, although they have different accents, so English language voiceover, um, is very much Saturday morning cartoon, which usually puts me off completely. But it's high quality enough that I kind of, I, I kind of receive it as a story that is designed for children. And if you have those expectations set, you can enjoy it for what it is. Like I could right. absolutely see myself playing this game or this kind of game uh, with my son a few years from now. It's super safe, super cutesy, and like you have the. Um, uh, uh, when they talk about uh, like criminals, they're like, "Oh, the the thieves must be terrible." The the king sent his whole uh, king's guard to chase them. I sure hope they're gonna catch them soon because I'm really scared. You know, it's like it. Yeah, that's the kind of feeling you get, and um, and so it's still extremely early, but. For that, I'm I'm kind of enjoying it, and the pleasure of of getting uh, to experience a Dragon Quest game. It's my first gra- Dragon Quest game for a number of reasons, um, and you absolutely find so many things that have influenced Japanese pop culture and our pop right. culture as well, but Japanese pop pop culture in particular. Um, that you see the origins of in that game that is a continu- continuation of that legendary series. So I don't think it's a game for everyone, but I think if that kind of uh, description appeals to you, um, it's it might be worth getting as a slow burn that you're going to play you know, a few hours here and there between the big releases of uh, the, the fall. Um, right. And for that, I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah. That's what it is for me. Have you? So you said you're. It's pre-downloading now. Have you yeah. played other Dragon Quest games, or why played, did you decide I to played, get this one? I played about a third of seven on the 3DS when it came out and got re-released mm. on there, and then I played a, a decent amount of eight as well. So, um, I the the main reason I didn't haven't finished either of them is just because I, they're a fifteen hundred hours yeah, long. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're they're super long and. Uh, and I, I, I mean, eight is universally praised as one of the best ones in the mm. series. So um, I'm just kind of excited to turn that into a huge, like, uh, full fledged RPG on a console versus handheld. Yeah, um, and I mean, they they came out on consoles before that, but they were they were 
all the ones that are out right now for handhelds are remakes of the old ones. So yeah. this is kind of the first modern Dragon Quest game, kind of. Yeah, exactly. And I think the because in between you had like Dragon Quest Builders and Heroes, and right. I pl- I played Heroes, um, and and the MMOs and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I, I think I suspect you're going to have a good time with this one, more of a good time than you did with the other ones, because even though they're remakes, I think they still bear the, you know, the the, the weight of the time when they were designed. Right. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Dragon Quest Eleven. I'm, I, I haven't been grabbed by a JRPG for so long. I was expecting this one to not grab me either, but it's kind of cute. I'm enjoying it. Uh, Oh, yeah, I did want to mention Destiny 2 is a PlayStation Plus game for this September. But of course, it's Destiny 2 without any of the expansions. So it (laughs) it feels a bit dirty to be doing this. It's really more like a demo, almost. Like you're going to play through the single-player experience and reach max level. And then you can do some of the things at max level, but really where, you know, the, the, the fun is at the max level that is like three expansions later so i did want to mention this for people who are uh contemplating playing it i mean it's free on playstation not free it's playstation plus so you're if you have it you have it but still um hey nintendo is doing a jrpg on mobile it's not developed by them but they're publishing it it's called dragalia lost and did you see the uh nintendo direct for that game yeah i did it looked pretty interesting um um it's i mean i have some real trouble playing uh games on my phone i always find myself being distracted by reddit or something like that but uh (laughs) um but yeah i mean i i now now i take the bus uh to and from work so um right now i've been playing into the breach on the switch what are you some kind of socialist i know right the bus in the u.s i'm i'm shocked but yeah. yeah, so you, you can play Dragalia Lost on the bus. Right, right. You know, the game looks pretty. Um, for a mobile game, it looks super classical. I don't know. I, I mean, if you would put the definition of, you know, enter classical JRPG definition and you would have a picture of a million different games because they all look the same, right. including this one. Yeah, the, I mean, the especially on mobile, like the, it reminds me of a lot, a lot of like kind of the, the Final Fantasy games on mobile. Yeah, 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 yeah like yeah, the, yeah. just the art style. They they have like the super deformed DSD style like QC yeah. thing, and you have the the knight, and like they have archetypes that are we all you know we have ar- archetypes in Western culture as well, but in Japanese culture, it's way more uh, strict, way more defined. So they have all of those. Mm-hmm. What really bothers me though is that it looks like you know Miyamoto went out and and said you know the premium model is still a priority for Nintendo and we understand you know that we want to develop games that are not free to play and we want you to pay for one price and that's it so even though he said Super Mario Run was too expensive when it launched which it was um they still want to do that. And then, again, I understand they are publishing it and not developing it, but Dragalia Lost feels like every other free-to-play game on the planet. Like, mm-hmm. 
they have rarities of heroes, they have elemental uh, attacks, they have strengths for different parts of the game. Like, I can't remember if it was individual spells that had different, different strengths, <laughs> strengths, but like the heroes have a, a different star rating and the higher you have the star rating, the higher, the more powerful your hero is and you can right. improve their uh, abilities and their spells and... <sighs> It just feels like it's going to be a, 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 I don't want to say pay to win, but either a incredible uh, 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 ah, grind fest or, you know, just pay to unlock the things. Yeah. So I'm interested because it's Nintendo. That's what I said in a tweet. <laughs> but if it was anyone other than Nintendo, I would not even have looked at that game. Um, hey, Battlefield 5 is delayed. Um, apparently, it was tracking very poorly on pre-orders, which yeah. I can understand, but it was stuck between Call of Duty and Red Dead Redemption 2, and uh, they're delaying it to November. Uh, the, with that news, uh, the, they lost uh, value on the stock market because... Stock market is dumb and doesn't understand what's <laughs> happening in this industry. I mean, obviously, if they're delaying it, it's that they were feeling the pressure of the releases they were close to. I understand November is too late for most games, most of the time, but surely um, this is better than coming out in, in October. I guess maybe the, the, you know, yeah. the stock market was reacting to the fact that it's disappointing and that they had to move it to November. So it's not going to do as well as they would have hoped initially, but um, yeah, I don't I know that there's I think, a lot to say about this, but I think EA um, kind of learned a little bit from the release of uh, Titanfall two, you know, where they put it kind of right yeah. in the middle of black ops and another game that can't was coming out around that same time. And, um, and so it, the fact that they're they delayed it is not obviously investors are dumb and don't understand like the complicated nature of releasing a game on time or not or not doing that but uh i think this is this is nothing but positive uh for battlefield because i mean no matter what i think the hardcores are going to buy it no matter what so um putting yeah. it outside of the window of call of duty allows you to get more of the not mind share and, yeah. yeah yeah i think i mean i think what it means is that it was in a really tough spot at that mm -hmm. point and you can track right. that by pre-orders it's a good indicator of how popular your game is going to be how much how many pre-orders you get and they mentioned it was getting it was tracking lower significantly lower than previous uh episodes previous uh episodes of the game so it was in a hole and maybe by putting it in november they're Dinging, digging it out of the hole a little bit, but it's it might not be as successful as they had initially hoped um, before they even you know decided on the release date. So I understand why the market is reacting like this, and and I understand that EA is being clever and as you mentioned probably learned their, their lesson from um, from yeah oh god what was the name you just Titanfall two Titanfall two yes of course um from respawn but yeah it's still i think in november it's going to have a little bit more space to breathe 
which every game is going to need uh, this this whole season. And by the way, uh, Assassin's Creed is skipping 2019. So Ubisoft confirmed they're not necessarily back to the um, yearly schedule for the game. I think if I, if I would uh, guess about their new strategy is develop a new, not necessarily an engine, but a new framework for a game, uh, put out a game, put out a, a, not a sequel, but a game that uh, uses the same assets and right. uh, uh, you can convert some of the work that you've done on the first one and then skip a year and repeat that. So two out of three years, you will have an Assassin's Creed. I think that would be, I don't know if it makes sense business-wise, I have no idea, but I think uh, it would be a good compromise because a new game every year we know is not necessarily uh, uh, viable creativity-wise. But if you have a new game and then a riff on that game, which the people who enjoyed it can get back into and it still gives them something to put out uh, on that alternate year, then it's acceptable, I think, to the gamer uh, cult, like common consciousness. Uh, And then you skip one and then you come back on the third year with a completely new one and people are interested again. Uh, I think that's a pretty good formula. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I actually was a little surprised that they, when they announced that Odyssey would come out this year, because I thought Mm. they were kind of not going to do it every year. But uh, the fact that they're not doing it next year um, kind of alleviates a lot of my concerns there. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a good move. I hope they, uh, they uh, uh, keep doing that. Um, hey, did you play Subnautica? Uh, I played a little bit of it, but I, I never finished it. But, uh, I mean, everyone was uh, praising yeah. it on, on four-player, so... Everyone's raving about it. I kind of feel, and I have a, a PlayStation VR, so I kind of have a feeling that I should <laughs> get it at some point. Yeah. Um, sure. Everyone loves it, but it's coming out with an expansion, and it, and the expansion is is a standalone expansion. So hmm. you can oh. get it. Um, you can get it even if you don't have the the original game. It's one of the games I think I'm gonna have to get back to. Um, yeah, at some point. Yes, so no, I agree. Yeah, it's one of the best games. I think I'm gonna have to play it at some point to be able to judge 2018 correctly because right. it's definitely one of the games that has right. been making a lot of noise. Um, did you like Onimusha? Do you remember Onimusha? Uh, uh no, I, did, I don't remember at all. <laughs> um, that's funny. Um, it was a game that came out, uh, a Capcom game. Uh, that came out at a time when Capcom was riding uh, Resident Evil's hype very high, and it was right. kind of a... Uh, I don't want to say... Um, it, it wasn't a, a, a Resident Evil in medieval Japan, but it kind of was. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it was the, the kind of thing people were, were hoping to get, but it's much more action-oriented. And... Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's coming out as a... Oh, that's what this news is about, by the way. Sorry. Uh, it's not even a remake. It's basically a re-release or a remake for the uh, PlayStation 4, PC, Switch, and Xbox One. Makes me and everyone else think, ooh, maybe there's Onimusha 3 uh, in the air somewhere. So 
that I mean obviously you didn't even remember the first one so you don't care but some people are excited about that mm. um Streets of Rage 4 is coming which yeah, so Windjammers 2 is coming thanks to a French company by the way it's very the Windjammer commu Windjammers community if you don't even know what that is uh it's a Neo Geo game it is Neo Geo right Windjammers I think I have no idea. You don't know either. Maybe that's a French thing. Uh, Windjammers <laughs> is a competitive um, tennis slash beach volleyball, but Weird. with with frisbees. Uh, oh, okay. And it's a game that uh, was not even super hugely popular back in its day. It was arcade and Neo Geo. That that's what yeah. it was. Um, and for some reason, people in France love it and have kept it alive. <laughs> and uh, so now, thanks to that love, uh, Windjammers 2 is coming out. And uh, kind of in the same spirit, uh, of, Streets of Rage 4 is coming out uh, as well at some point. Uh -huh. I can't remember when, but uh, it just got announced with a fantastically retro animation but really badass looking trailer um which i encourage you to go check out but the thing is when you see the um the game itself it's super pretty like well drawn and everything but it is uh a beat them up beat them all beat them up what we called them beat them up at the time or beat them all i can't remember um, beat them up yeah beat them up uh type of game um so i'm curious you know to see if they can manage to put a um a modern spin on it. Uh, it's developed by Lizard Cube, which made uh, uh, the Dragon's Trap, Wonder Boy 3, the yeah. Dragon's Trap remake, which, you know, there was a weird period a couple of years ago, where, or was it last year, when uh, <laughs> all the Wonder Boy games came out again. Uh, yeah. And so the good one was made by, by those guys. Um, so I don't even know what to think about those. They're going to be here. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Amazon Studios is announcing the Grand Tour game. If you don't know what the Grand Tour is, I didn't either. Um, it's a TV show. On oh, the you Amazon didn't know about Studio. this? The what? It's, uh, it's Top Gear. Yeah. Oh, is it Top it's, Gear? Like the... It's Top Gear. Is it like literally Top Gear? Or is yes. it a different... It is literally the people that made Top Gear. Oh, okay. So that's why it's notable. Uh, I yeah. I suspect the game is not going to be notable though. Um, yeah, probably not. But I mean, it, people that really love driving games, they probably will pick it up to kind of see how it's different. So, I, well, if that is what happens, it can be interesting. I think what's going to happen is people who really love the Grand Tour are going to pick it up, and yeah, it's going to be sure. disappointing. And that kind of worries me for Amazon Studios because they are building a big um you know a big yeah development team and we were kind of hoping that it would be making interesting games and the fact that they're just developing a, a game branded on one of their shows even if it's top gear or the grand tour makes me think like we haven't heard anything from them and it's been three years or maybe there was oh this one game this like esports, e we love esports. This is going to be an esports game, which now folded. Um, and that's it. So I'm wondering what they're doing there. 
Jade Raymond is there, isn't he? I think she's there. Um, so anyway, I'm <sighs> Amazon Studios. Do stuff. You have money. You have talent. What are you doing? <laughs> do you play Battle for Azeroth? Of course, I play Battle for Azeroth. Come on. Well, you and many, <laughs> many other people. Uh, I was honestly surprised that this was the case. Battle for Azeroth is, by just a little bit, but still, the fastest-selling WoW expansion ever. Ever. Like, yeah. it sold better in 24 hours. That's, that's why it's the fastest. But that's the... I remember when I was working at Blizzard, we would, you know, write the press releases on uh, how many games you sell within 24 hours. So, tiny caveat, of course, once again, you had stuff that you would get in the game if you pre-ordered the next expansion and maybe mm -hmm. arguably a little bit more this time around than before but i i wouldn't even say so because i think last time you could play the um the demon hunter which is a new class so has yeah, a lot could. of yeah you could so there you go so there was even a higher draw to getting the expansion last time than there was this time because the new race you can play in this one you could play in this one before um the, the new race is all four of them yeah so it's not even that big of a of a, a, a draw to buy the this expansion it wasn't that big of a draw to buy the expansion this time and it sold uh 3.4 million within the first uh 24 hours mm -hmm. uh, which is higher than the previous record which was 3.3 million which was held i think by um maybe Raffle Lich King and uh, Warlords of Draenor. So both of them were, had made the same uh, number of sales within the first 24 hours. And this one did a little bit more. What the hell is happening? Like, <laughs> I used to work for Blizzard. I am a huge fan of this game. I can't even comprehend that this is still as popular as it is today. I... I don't understand. I mean, I would say, I mean, they, they really did a, a big push for, uh, um, for like a marketing push for it. But um, it's also coming off the tail of Legion, which is pretty universally praised in, in the media and um, people like yourself and I that talk about it. And, uh, and the, 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 just, if you just look at the image in the, um, that you're given, uh, for Battle for Azeroth, the orc and the human kind of looking at each other or whatever, like that, that very harkens back to like old school Warcraft too, Warcraft as well. And so I, I think there was just so many elements of the game that kind of hit people in the right spots, um, hit different kinds of people in the right spots that that made it uh, appealing to people. So yeah. I think there's some nostalgia, but they've, there's been some nostalgia basically since the beginning of the WoW expansions, maybe arguably excluding uh, the very first one, which, you know, the Burning Legion was maybe a little bit alien, even though it was coming from the sources of the original Warcraft games. But after that, you had Wrath of the Lich King, which was like, yeah, this is the nostalgia of the Lich King era of Warcraft four, of Warcraft uh, 3. And then the the um, uh, Pandaria was it at that point Pandaria after no uh, Cataclysm yes. was like remaking yeah. the world and then Pandaria was a little bit of an aside which 
I think, underrated as we know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, then it was Warlords and then Legion and then all of these have a claim to being the nostalgic feeling. And yes, this one as well, they kind of wave that banner every expansion. Um, right. And I, I guess another factor is how the quote-unquote controversy, the narrative controversy of the conflict being incited yeah, by some uh, um, unsavory actions by some of the leaders, which made social media explode in, in anger and arguments. <laughs> Maybe that was, you know, part of it as, as people were reminded that the game existed. I don't know. I guess it's a little bit of all of it, but um, yeah, fastest selling expansion ever. That is... Cool. That's one press release I did not uh, expect to <laughs> to be reading. Very surprising. Um, aside from that, uh, Blizzard and 2K are removing uh, loot boxes in some of their games in Belgium, uh, as we reported on on, on this show yep. and everywhere. Uh, and everyone reported on everywhere. Belgium has uh, prohibited the use of loot boxes. So Blizzard has removed them from Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm, um, by and just like uh, 2K, they've stated, you know, we disagree with the decision, but we um, we are uh, uh, co cooperating with the authorities and obviously doing things that should be legally done. There's one notable uh, not mention on the Blizzard side, and that's uh, Hearthstone. Hearthstone, yeah. Sure, it's free to play, and sure, the game can't work without, doesn't have a business model with uh, loot boxes, even though, you know, in Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm, they're still available uh, when you pl play the game and accumulate currency or whatever, accumulate, get loot boxes within the game, you right. just can't buy them with real money. In Hearthstone, if you can't spend any real money at all, then, I mean, in Heroes of the Storm, you can spend money to buy other things. Uh, in Overwatch, you pay for the game even though it's very cheap now. And it's only the the uh, small territory of Belgium. So it's still manageable. For Hearthstone, I guess the game doesn't make sense. You would have to just, I don't know, forbid, you know, uh, uh, stop the sales or not the sales, the availability uh, in that region. I don't know. But they don't mention it. And it has essentially what is loot boxes, which go, uh, which uh, uh, fit the definition, I think, that the Belgian authority uh, gave. So what's happening there? I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know if, like, is it is it really just the fact that like it already ha it's like its only monetization strategy? Like, I don't think Belgium would care. Yeah, because if that's the case, then you know all you need to do is not sell anything else <laughs> and make the right. game free, and then you're good. Um, right. I don't know. I, I mean, and no one seems to have asked the question to Blizzard. And I feel weird calling my former <laughs> colleagues and asking that question, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, but I think that's, you know, if you're being a journalist, I think that's what you do. You call them up and you're like, hey, so what's happening there? What's the deal? And they might give you the runaround and not want to answer your question. But um, yeah, I'm curious about that one. Uh, oh, and other legal stuff. The uh, EU has adopted the in-game purchases label, which is going to be on boxes, uh, which as we, I mean, better than nothing, 
but as we mentioned when they decided to do it, it doesn't differentiate between loot boxes and uh, any other kind of DLC, which again, I'm very much not against loot boxes in most cases, as I've uh, mentioned on the show, getting some amount of anger from <laughs> some of the listeners. Uh, but if you're going to do some labeling, I think you have to be more precise than just, hey, there's in-game purchases, because essentially every single game on the planet is going to be having in-game purchases. With very few exceptions, uh, you always have some kind of additional content that you can get. So um, even in the indie scene, usually if a game is successful, you want to give more to your customers. And even when it's good content, even when everyone agrees this is awesome that you can get it as DLC and it doesn't you know, uh, uh, feel like they're nickel and diming you, then it's DLC. So that label really doesn't mean much. I mm-hmm. guess it kind of provides a safe way. Like if you don't have the label, then the parents can buy it for the kids and think, yeah, this is the game and that's all you get. And you can't pester me afterwards to buy the additional character or new continent or whatever. But it's really, I see very few use cases for that label. We need more granular descriptions. Right. Did you see that... Uh, stream convention for star citizen um yeah i heard about the controversy of it so they wanted to get to make people pay to view the stream for their convention how does that strike you i mean blizzard does it right right exactly i was like i read (laughs) this and i was like oh how dare they and then i was like oh wait liz gone but you know what the difference is well, I mean, obviously, uh, Blizzard's an established company with multiple established IPs that had that have released actual games to completion. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I mean, you know, <laughs> you're gonna get some, hopefully, some news or announcement, or there are a ton of panels that are interesting, and maybe there are gonna be the. I mean, it's the argument there. There, they do panels, and it's expensive, and it's you know, if you want to do it right, then you get people to pay for the convention to be all it can be. And I think the mm-hmm. argument stands. If the game had been released, if they hadn't been, we were talking about nickel and diming just a moment ago, if they hadn't been nickel and diming their fans, they're willing fans, that's fine. But it really feels like when those fans that have been nickel and dimed willingly and happily for many of them, uh, when even those fans start saying, dude, now you're pushing it, that's too much, then you, you, you realize you're doing something wrong. And they did. And so they backed away. So I think at some point it's like, dude, just freaking release something. Release a game and then start adding (laughs) additional, even more ways of asking people for their money. So I think that's where the the disconnect is, where the difference is. Yeah. I don't know. How do you feel about Star Citizen these days? I mean... uh... It's cool. It's not really my thing, but uh, I have plenty of friends that have uh, that have played it and, and like it. And but it, just the fact that it's taking like years and years and years to develop and finish and when was stuff it, like that. When was it funded? Oh, I'm gonna like I'm gonna years ago. It up. Um, it's at least five years, but. Um... <laughs> it's originally planned for a 2014 release. Development yeah. of the game began in 2011. The, it's 2018 now. <laughs> 2011. Yeah. Oh my god. 
was it wait the development started in 2011 was it was this the the funding in 2011 it was a kickstarter right i i don't know if the Wasn't the it? development started uh, before the kickstarter no so the completion of the kickstarter was 2013 oh, okay so they did the kickstarter 2013 um, most successful Kickstarter in history. The game had already been in development for a couple of years. Um, I mean, given the, the increased scope of the games now, it's not... I mean, seven years is still a long time, no matter what. And the, the most infuriating thing is that they're not anywhere close to a release, it seems. So, right. I don't know. It's just definitely that convention pay for streaming thing was... A couple of bridges too far for everyone. <laughs> um, China is apparently not happy with games. Not only have they not approved any game, any new games since March, um, they have just released new um, uh, uh, rules for games trying to curb the usage. Ar I mean, their argument is that it, it decreases... Um, eyesight, it creates eyesight issues. And it, it couldn't be more transparent that they're <laughs> trying not to get, like they're curbing uh, game usage. I'm not sure why. I'm guessing it probably it would have to do with... Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. I could, but I'm not going to. But uh, that's uh, beyond the reasons. I think it's it's a big problem for some developers because the chinese market yeah. is enormous um as we as we well know so like how does this work on mobile like do you have to get it approved by china and then by the app store basically or i'm i'm i guess so yeah um yeah it's weird I, they have such a tight control over the app store and you they tell google and apple what to uh take out of the app store right i, I don't know yeah. if, if it's as stringent on mobile but i would guess it is but essentially you have to submit your game to two separate agencies and one of them is currently was being reorganized so no one approved anything but you have to submit your game to two separate agencies and both have to approve it in order for you to be able to uh, put it out in a store uh, obviously digital store um yeah and you have to have a Chinese company partner, and it's very yeah. it's always been very difficult, but yeah, this is a, an interesting development, especially because as as I mentioned it it's a huge market and it's a big part of uh, many companies' revenue. I mean it's not threatening or anything, but it's a, a chunk taken out if that starts to um to dwindle and I, I can't imagine that. China is going to disallow video games. Yeah, especially since they went through all that trouble a couple of years ago and it and allowed consoles in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? so, like it seem, seems like it just kind of changes with the wind, which is a shame. Yeah, and that's, that's what happens when you, <laughs> when you um, have a, a totalitarian regime, which yeah. is what it is. Uh, what else? All right, let's just finish off with this one, which I'm not going to spend too much time on. Um, <laughs> but Riot Games has been in, embroiled in a controversy about um, sexist and toxic 
workplace, um, for the past few weeks, there was a report from Kotaku, yep. I believe, right? Um, mm -hmm. oh, what was the name of the journalist? I can't remember. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll find it. Uh, oh, Cecilia D'Anastasio. There you go. Um, she spoke to a couple dozen people. She like this is serious investigative work, and it might be only part of the picture, but it's certainly uh, uh, not an inaccurate part of the picture. She was doing right. her job, and there was a lot of uh, uh, people that came out confirming uh, what she was describing, which was essentially a very toxic. Um, uh, uh, male dominated in a in a ma male gamer dominated sense where people had to prove that they were real core gamer and real co core gamers play these kinds of games like it was a, a bias that instills itself in a culture where you don't have diversity and you assume that everything is a certain way and that leads you when things open up a little bit to discovering that Oh, maybe we were a little bit harsh on <laughs> some in some aspects. So Riot uh, dismissed that for a while and sort of uh, argued with the reporter and with some of the reports. And lo and behold, a few weeks later, they have a super strong initiative to um, curb these issues actively within the company. Uh, so it might be PR. I mean, some people are going to say, oh, they cave to the social justice warriors, whatever. Sure, <laughs> you can, you know, I'm sure some people will think that, do that if you want to. It really seems that anyone reasonable would conclude that there was indeed an issue and that that issue needs fixing. Um, and they are actively trying to fix it. And there are, so I don't want to talk about that part too much, but there were a couple of tweets that really made me think about um, I mean, that were great illustrations of the issues there. Uh, one is explaining why uh, you don't, you can't just decide, let's hire this, you know, let's just treat everyone equally now, and that fixes everything. Uh, it was Chris Pollock, who's a um, basically a, a League of Legends and Overwatch caster and player, um, who who gave that analogy, which I think is, is very apt. Uh, it's, he says, it's like having two people in a race and hitting what one repeatedly with a hammer. Then it becomes obvious that it's unfair, so you stop the hammering. But the hammered person is already injured, so the race is still not fair and there needs to be healing before it is. And I think that's a, a very apt uh, uh, description of why you can't just say, all right, now everything is going to be the same. Um, there was a seminar at PAX where uh, Riot says, this is women's only, uh, women only for the um, earlier part of the day. And there were some um, panels that people couldn't go to, that men uh, couldn't go to because it was women only. And then after the, the rest of the day, it was everyone, uh, in, uh, uh, um, everyone could go there. And the thing is, I understand why it feels unfair. It feels a little bit unfair to the men. And they're like, oh, but I, I don't have the same changes. This is reverse sexism, whatever. I understand why you feel that way. But at the same time, saying, oh, but just leave, let everyone go there and, and so everyone's equal, it doesn't really work that way because women have been uh, uh, treated differently for so long that it leaves 
effects. You know, women don't apply right. to a There was another example. Women don't apply to a job or more women apply to the job or women do apply to the job if it's woman only. And that's another tweet that uh, I wanted to highlight um, by Morello, which is a, a design lead at Riot. He says, uh, taking the extra time to find qualified candidates who aren't in the process now is valuable. We're not going to be hiring unqualified people just because they're women. We're not stealing a seat at the interview table for you. And he goes into a number of different um, uh, explanations of this, but he's like, if you um, say, I, if you put out a um, job application or, or job uh, offer for a design position, whatever, some women are just not going to apply or there's, you're only going to get few of the uh, applications. But if you say right. this is women only, and that's the example he gets, you get 400 applications. And in those 400, you might find really good talent that you wouldn't have found otherwise. So having a few of those places where it's, you know, whatever it is, women only, women favored, whatever it is, allows you, even from a capitalistic business-oriented point of view, allows you to seek and find the talent that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And it doesn't mean that the other people don't, you know, it's not like all of a sudden Riot is going to get all of their job uh, uh, offers women only, right? It's going to be a few here and there. Yeah. So you still have an opportunity if you're not a woman to apply and if you're a woman also to apply. But those two explanations, I think, made it uh, uh, quite clear why you can't just make it okay, now everyone's equal. There's healing that needs to happen before you can make it everyone's equal. And the effect of the um, preferential treatment that you've had for dozens, hundreds of years doesn't disappear in one second because you say, okay, now everyone's equal. So anyway, that's something I wanted to point out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing that I, I have to add to this is um, the article that that woman wrote about the, the sexism in Riot is um, incredibly long, incredibly detailed, and kind of goes to show that there there is something wrong um, at Riot and mm -hmm. that, that needs to be fixed because a lot of the stuff that, that is particularly mentioned, like um, with specific examples was uh, pretty gross stuff so yeah yeah and and it's good that you know this is the process this is the process you and that's why the press is important and why yep. oh by the way uh since we're on the topic uh there was a some mini controversy about the Spider-Man press tour for influencers and YouTubers. I don't know if you heard about this in the U.S., but in France no. it was kind of like, ah, oh, so they're being taken first class and you know first class flight, oh. uh, luxury hotel, helicopter tour in New York, and it was like. First of all, I'm disappointed that Sony is doing these kinds of press tours, uh, but it's for uh, YouTubers, so. What are you going to do? They're not really journalists or don't claim to be. But at the same time, this is very <laughs> not really ethical kind of treatment. Right. And the, so the reason I wanted to mention it is that, of course, Gamergate is nowhere to be seen on this. 
they don't care. It's a serious ethical question about in game journalism and their beloved YouTubers, which I also love. Uh, but of course, there's no social justice warrior to bash, so they don't care. And all their claims, old claims of, actually, this is about ethical, you know, journalism in video games. When there is an actual, the, the one time a year or two times a year, <laughs> there's a question that is actually about that. Nope, nowhere to be found. Um, and I and I looked for it. I was like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe they are actually upset. And they're like, oh, you should disclose. And this is not how you work in journalism. And no, 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 no. So this is why you need journalists. And the very important investigative job that they do and then the people who are in a, a weird position react and hopefully react a good way and it takes time and it takes effort and some amount of controversy and that's how we fix problems so right. i think it's good it's it's a positive thing in the end and the fact that riot ended up owning up to it is is really good all right sorry i've been ranting a lot no on this episode. it's all good <laughs> Got to get your uh, your voice out there. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I do. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, next time, we're going to talk about Spider-Man. I hope it's going to be good. I really hope so. Yeah. It's going to be in two weeks. Until then, the uh, all new, all different Ed is... <laughs> is uh, going to be on the Four Players Network a little bit more since you're in the yeah. show, right? Yeah, so um, it's going to... I hope that I can uh, be on more podcasts. I was on a podcast... Uh, well, it wasn't a podcast. It was like we did like a multiplayer uh, game night uh, a couple weeks ago, um, and I was on there. Uh, I, like I mentioned, next week we'll be, uh, we'll be talking about all, my, all the different games that I played at PAX on, on the four-player feed. Um, on a four-player plus episode, so that'll be good. Uh, tomorrow, I'll be streaming Dragon Quest Eleven at 4pp.tv. And awesome. uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter. So, uh, and that my name will be in the show notes since it's not the easiest thing to say and spell. <laughs> it will be. You just need to click on there. Perfect. Yep. Yep. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also find this show at frenchspin.com. Uh, if you speak French, I do this in French as well. Uh, you can listen to Le Rendez-vous Jeu or Le Rendez-vous Tech. Uh, and yeah, that's going to be it for this episode. We will be back in a couple of weeks with more gaming. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.